Hey, you're listening to What Dot Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 7, Episode 153. Title, Don't Say I Didn't Warn You, The Seven Bowls of God's Fury. Subtitle, Plain Revelation Series, Chapter 16. Reminder, Revelation is not about chronology, it is about content. Read the message and God will interpret the meaning to your heart in His time. Revelation chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. The second poured out his bowl into the sea, It turned to blood like that of a dead person, and all life in the sea died. The third poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the waters say, You are just, the Holy One, who is and who was, because you have passed judgment on these things. Because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. I heard the altar say, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth poured out his bowl on the sun. It was allowed to scorch people with fire, and people were scorched by the intense heat. So they blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, but they did not repent of their works. The sixth poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming from the dragon's mouth, from the beast's mouth, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they are demonic spirits performing signs, who travel to the kings of the whole world, to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God, the Almighty. Look, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed, so he may not go around naked and people see his shame. So they assembled the kings at the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Then the seventh poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And a severe earthquake occurred like no other since people have been on the earth, so great was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. Every island fled, and the mountains disappeared. Enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds, fell from the sky on people, And they blasphemed God for the plague of hail, because that plague was extremely severe. Bowl number one. Ulcerated sores for the affliction of the cross. Friend, I want you to see, not that it's spelled out clearly in the Bible, but you can see a correlation between the final judgments of God that is poured out on the ungodly of the world and the correlation to what Jesus went through to buy your salvation and my salvation if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But we see in bowl number one, ulcerated sores 
for the affliction of the cross. You remember on the cross, Jesus was greatly afflicted. All of these torturous, horrifying events are being poured out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped its image. A painful ulcerated sore we're talking about here resulting from infection. Can you imagine the problem with flies and maggots? Maggots eat only dead flesh, the refuse. The sores are emphasized here as severely painful, harsh to say the least. In the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 9, verse 10, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks about the sixth Egyptian plague. And in the book of Job, it talks about the ulcers in chapter 2. But this last outpour of God's judgment on the sealed damned will be global and include every person on the planet who took the mark and bowed their knee to its image. Mark chapter 9 verse 48 reminds us that the hellfire that is coming is where the maggot never dies and the fire never goes out. Bowl number 2 and 3, blood of death for the blood of the cross. This is found in verses 3 through 7. With the bowls 2 and 3, we see the death hemorrhage of all waters. Bible scholar Moffat says it's coagulated blood. It's the putrefaction of all water, salt and fresh. Bowl number two, the sea turned to blood like that of a dead person, and all life in the sea died. Bowl number three, into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. It's like the first Egyptian plague found in Exodus chapter 7, though only the Nile was affected then. At the blast of the trumpet found in Revelation chapter 8 verse 11, the water becomes wormwood. Here the concept of coagulated blood the picture of a murdered man weltering in his blood, according to Bible scholar Sweet. Moffat says it's a sense of coagulated blood, fatal to animal life. Greek scholar A.T. Robertson says the punishment of the waters is deserved. Every living soul is going to be impacted. Every living thing in the sea will be destroyed. Every living thing in the ocean will die because of the water turning to coagulated, putrefied blood. It's complete destruction, not partial as in chapter 8, verse 9. In verses 5 and 6, the angels remind us that God is called just and holy because of his judgment that is passed on these things. If God were to turn his eyes away from the thousands of years of sin, he would be an unjust God. Abel's blood that poured out on the earth by the first murderer Cain still cries out for justice. Only God can reconcile the account of the shedding of innocent blood. You cannot reconcile your debt to sin. In verse 7, the altar is personified here. The altar cries out for blood. The altar of God's holy sacrifice must be satisfied. Friend, keep in mind, God is not the one who made a mess of the earth and civilization. Humans did. So we should open our mouths with boldness and tell the truth. For those God is calling to salvation, it will be relief to their troubled hearts. For those who are destined for hell, it will result in further anger, resentment, and sin. The reception of the truth spoken is not our responsibility. We are liable for the communication of the story. Our account of debt to sin can be reconciled now through the shed blood of Jesus, or it will be reconciled later by God's furious bloodbath at the end of the world. And God will be right in doing it. Drink the death blood then or the life blood now. In Matthew 26, verse 27, speaking of Jesus, the Last Supper, it says, Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has entered into the heavenly throne room with his own blood to settle your debt. We find that in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, chapter 10. 1 John 1, 7 says, The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Friend, we can be purified by blood now or putrefied by blood then. Bowl number four, scorching heat for the thirst of the cross. 
found in Revelation chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. In John 19, 28, Jesus said, I am thirsty. So that scripture might be fulfilled. The fourth trumpet found in chapter 8, verse 12, affected a third of the sun, moon, and stars with a plague of darkness. But here it is a plague of extreme heat. The sun scorching with fire intensifies the picture. It will not just be radiant heat, but radiant with actual fire causing the scorching of the earth. Keep in mind, there is no drinking water now. Elon Musk, with all of his technological savvy, will not have time or the means to construct a blood extraction machine. This will be global warming to the max. God will make it clear at the last day that this is his universe, it is his sun, and it is his planet. Dear friend, if modern lost, atheistic, socialist, Marxist man could just get it through their thick, dullard minds that mankind does not have the power to destroy creation, only God has the power to destroy what he has created. In the end, they will have to eat their words of blasphemy that touted such atheistic, godless garbage that they thrust on humans to create fear, control, and wealth at the expense of people for whom Jesus died and who deserve so much more than what these God-haters envision for their subjugated, dominated masses. Well, in the end, God will subjugate and God will dominate them with terror anguish, and pain for which they will deserve every ounce of it. Here is more proof just how much they deserve this fury. The amazing response, it says that there was blasphemy instead of repentance. In verse 9, it says, They blasphemed the name of God, who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. The inference is that if they would only cry out to God, he could stop these terrible things. But because they took the mark, they are sealed, and now God prevented from giving him glory. Friend, in our modern society, children and adults are being raised and taught that there are no consequences for their sin, that there are no consequences for their action. But this is a lie from the pits of hell, and it sets humankind up for a great disaster. Because there is the God of the universe who is watching. He is taking notes. He is holding back, but he is getting ready to wind up for the final pitch that is going to end the game, and it's going to be the fury of his wrath. He is God Almighty, and at the end, the lost will end up with boil-covered bodies, no water, and no relief, and total darkness. Bowl number five, agonizing darkness for the darkness of the cross. Verses 10 and 11, the sun's infernal blaze is snuffed out. I remind you, we've read it, but let me read it again. The fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their swords, but they did not repent of their works. The chewing of their tongues clearly pictures the intensity of their pain, which is now amplified by total darkness, zero light. Friend, we cannot imagine what it's like to be on the planet with zero light. Worldwide darkness occurred temporarily as Christ suffered on the cross, we're reminded in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, it says, From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. Mark 15, 34 says, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was the result of the righteous judgment being poured out on his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Darkness is the manifestation of total judgment. Joel prophesied in the book of Joel chapter 2, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Isaiah 61.1 says about the coming Messiah that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. John chapter 12, verse 46 says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Friend, you see the people walking about on the planet right now who are lost are walking in the ambient light of God's grace. Right now, they are not encountering the full weight of their sin, which will one day plunge them into eternal outer darkness if they don't repent now. In verse 11, it says, They blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their works. Wow, what a statement. Even in the midst of this reign of holy terror, they are still carrying out wicked works. Jesus communicates to us in clear, loud terms that we must not be apologetic to people when we speak about such terrible things, which we should, because now he is giving us, he is giving every person fair warning that if they choose to gamble with their future, they will not escape the judgment. We must repent now and be saved from this coming fury. Bowl number six, the great battle of Armageddon. The great Euphrates dries up in preparation for the great battle of Armageddon. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 14, it speaks of the river Euphrates with the blasting of the sixth trumpet. It is dried up to make way for the kings from the east and their march to the war of the ages. It's fascinating in verse 13. We're mindful that in the midst of this terrible, terrible time that the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet are going to be releasing demonic spirits who will travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of the Almighty. Friend, think about this. And in the midst of the hell on earth, they're still releasing demons who will possess all of the kings of the whole world and who will come together for the great battle of Armageddon. I have a question to ask you. It's a question that cries out to every person in light of this amazing prophecy that has been given 2,000 years ahead of time in order for every human to escape this coming wrath and fury. Do you want to trade? Will you come to the cross of Jesus now and receive the covering and cleansing from sin that he freely offers so that when he comes, he will find you spiritually ready to meet him? We're told in this chapter, verse 15, Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him so that he may not go naked and be exposed. If you're found naked, he's going to cover you up, but not with his own blood, but with his righteous fury. It's going to be affliction, blood, burning, darkness, shaking, and judgment. Look at bowl number seven. Shocks and rocks for the shaking of the cross. In Matthew chapter 27, speaking of Christ, when he cried out again in a loud voice, giving up his spirit on the cross, it says in verse 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. But friend, here at the end of the age, there will be a severe earthquake that occurs like no other since people have been on the earth. So great was the quake. It tells us that the great city will be split into three parts and the cities of the nations will fall. Most theologians think that the great city is Rome, which was the great city in John's time. I hold to perhaps the idea, along with other theologians, that the great city that John is speaking of here is Jerusalem. Of course, it does follow up here in the verses that Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. So ultimately, we do not know, but we know that the great city will be split into three parts. It will be a catastrophic earthquake 
that is felt worldwide. It's so powerful, in fact, that every island will be destroyed and every mountain will be brought down, it will disappear. Top all of this off, the enormous hailstones, which will fall on demand from the sky. Friend, think about this. What are some things that weigh 100 pounds? There's a 100-pound barbell. There's a 100-pound pumpkin. A baby hippo weighs 100 pounds. Some large breeds of dogs weigh 100 pounds. The Hawksbill sea turtle weighs about 100 pounds. A hellfire missile weighs about 100 pounds. A punching bag, about 100 pounds. How about a two-month-old foal falling out of the sky at several hundred miles an hour? Can you imagine the devastation? You know, I looked this up, and the world's heaviest hailstone recorded was 2.25 pounds in Bangladesh in April 1986. The hailstorm killed 92 at Gopanganj. A 100-pound hailstone is around 29.8 inches in diameter. The hailstone would arrive at sea level traveling 284 miles per hour. The hailstone's diameter would be larger than the diameter of an average mountain bike wheel. For more information on that, I have a hyperlink in the show notes. God has been withholding his righteous judgment against fallen man ever since the firstborn of Adam and Eve, Cain, murdered his brother. The ground has received the blood of millions of murdered people alone crying out for justice, especially the blood of the saints and the prophets. Since that first murder until the seven years of tribulation, God is storing up his righteous fury and extending his hand of mercy and grace that extends help, blessing, and even soul salvation for those who will respond to his overt actions of his all-powerful love. Think about this. The earth is about 6,000 years old, if you believe in the literal account of creation found in the book of Genesis. It should be no problem to believe it if you believe in God at all. Speaking something into existence out of nothing is one of the fundamental aspects of God's nature as the divine supreme being of the universe. But for 6,000 years, God has been holding back his wrath on every person who lives and will continue to do so until the clock begins the period of the seven years of the Great Tribulation. In that dreadful time, his immense fury is going to be unleashed on the human population who are alive. That is why the intensity is beyond compare. Yet right now, if any person, regardless of what they have done in this life, turns to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of their sin and salvation in him and a home eternal in heaven, that person will not suffer loss. Instead, they will inherit immense wealth and a life beyond our wildest dreams. Friend, God did not start this mess, but he will be the one to finish it. You and I should not be apologetic for the harshness of action that God demonstrates in this book especially this chapter. Instead, it should motivate us to open our mouths, tell people the truth, warn them of the coming disaster, and offer them the way of escape through Jesus Christ. That is what a loving Christian would do. May it be true about us. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.